warrants. Oh, it's off again. I haven't even heard that album all the way through yet. Now, a review of Uncut Gems. You're with Julian on the Brown Note on Radio Northern Beaches. Uh, the Safdie brothers, as they're known, Joshua Safdie and Benjamin Safdie, uh, born 84 and 86, respectively, from New York City, are a couple of enfant terrible independent filmmakers. Um, they started making films with the pleasure of being robbed in 2008, followed by Daddy Longlegs, Lenny Cook, and heaven knows what, all fairly underground indie films. I think Daddy Longlegs probably got the most praise out of those. But it was Good Time in 2017, starring Robert Pattinson, that really put them on the map as far as a wider audience went. And that had music by Daniel Lopatin. I can't believe, uh, as one of Tricks Point Never, I cannot believe that amazing soundtrack was not nominated for an Oscar and that got a lot of attention for me i thought it sounded stunning it looked stunning and robert pattinson was in perhaps in a, a, a that stage a career defining role almost like leo did with um the departed it was kind of he held the whole film together i thought the film was a wonderful exercise in style but nearly completely empty it wasn't really any substance to it but it was certainly a very strong film um, and uh, they came out last year with a film called Uncut Gems, which I think got a cinema release before being squirreled onto Netflix. And I think, again, they had, I'm just scrolling down, music by Don, Daniel Lopatin from Canada as one o Tricks Point Never. He's got a thrilling style for the use in films. It's not a background music style at all. It juts out massively, and he's back again. And this time it became very notable for, for like the movie The Hustler or Hustlers uh, that featured Jennifer Lopez and had a lot of Oscar talk about her and sort of bringing this long-standing actor that hadn't got any awards back into the sort of critical fold. The same thing with Adam Sandler, who's made several hundred million dollars through Netflix producing the worst movies ever made as if he wasn't doing that already. And lots of awards talk about his performance in Uncut Gems and then lots of criticism about the Oscars completely overlooking the film. Now, this is a, a film where Adam Sandler plays a Jewish New Yorker uh, who's involved in the amazingly esoteric and cutthroat diamond world in the diamond sector of New York where they all have these astonishing offices uh, with man traps in them where... You can only go into the middle section and you have to have someone let you out. You can't sort of walk through both entrances due to security reasons. You're trapped in this little thing. Um, and he is he owns his own little shop. He's got a high-maintenance wife and lifestyle and he's in the process of a divorce and he's shacked up with his younger staff member and uh, looking to leave his wife and his two kids. Everyone seems to hate his guts. Uh, his whole wider Jewish family as well were heavily involved in his life. And basically from the word go, he's got people asking him for money. He's perpetually in debt and he is a, a terrible gambling addict as well. And he has the mindset of somebody that is almost impossible to take, not take the biggest risk that he can at any given moment. 
And that's almost the entire movie. He always owes people money. He's always doing something to get that money back and then doubling down throughout the entire movie. And um, he owes his brother-in-law money. Uh, that Jewish family is very well-to-do, and his brother-in-law's a loan shark. And he's just ta- he basically takes money from loan sharks and makes ridiculous gambling bets, usually on basketball. And um, if he wins, it doesn't mean anything because he just goes back and does the same thing again with his winnings. So he's hopelessly in debt. He's got loan shark collection agencies coming after him, which are basically hoods employed by his um, brother-in-law to come and get the money and beat him up. Um, His relationship with his staff member played by... um, I'm just going to go through the cast because the cast is hugely interesting. Uh, Julia Fox, and it's her debut, and she plays his uh, love interest in the film. Um, Now, there might not sound like there's a lot to this story. It all revolves around the loan shark getting more and more frustrated with him um, basically the, the the whole thing revolves around this opal that he gets illegally from ethiopian jews who have um almost like blood diamond found it they work in the most horrific conditions known to man and started a film one of the, one of these ethiopian uh, jews mining for opal in the most horrible conditions you can imagine person living in gets uh, severely injured, basically almost loses a leg. And two other guys have found this massive opal and uh, they basically steal it and sell it to a Westerner. In this case, it's Adam Sandler, who's taken 13 months to get hold of this stunning million-dollar opal. And while he's got it, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, who's a genuine pro, ex-pro basketball player and a very, very prominent one as well, Um, He sees it in the store when he's coming with his crew to buy lots of stupid jewellery, which seems to be the the trade in stock for Adam Sandler's company, seems to be lots of very wealthy rap artists and sports athletes coming in and buying just insane jewellery and watches and things to hang around their wrists and neck. He sees this amazing opal and thinks that he can see the universe in it and asks to borrow it. And Adam Sandler doesn't want him to borrow it at all, but he's a massive fan of this guy. He lets him have it, and the guy has the best game in NBA history that night and doesn't want to give it back. And in Adam Sandler's case, he needs to sell it because he's got people that are just about ready to break every bone in his body. So the movie sort of sets off, it reminded me a little bit of Inside Lewin Davis for some reason. It's this desperado just trying to get everything lined up so that he can make it to tomorrow. Um, and he, he's got basically trying to get this opal back so he can sell it at auction. At the same time, he's just getting further in debt to uh, loan sharks and doubling down on his gambling debts. And it's a kind of film where He's walking along at high pace at the start with one person grabbing his shoulder, shouting at him for money, another person shouting down the phone at him for money, and that is virtually his state the entire movie. He has a breakup with his girlfriend, uh, Julia Fox's character, and tries in the middle to go back to his wife, which doesn't quite pan out. The whole thing was written at the start of, um, I think, around 2010, and he's got Basically, they've, the um, Safdie brothers have kept the historic 
points in the film. So he's got the real R&B singer The Weeknd in the film at the start of his career, even though they made the film in 2018, 2019, when The Weeknd is one of the world's biggest R&B stars. Um, they show him in this film to be, you know, just breaking through as he would have been at the time. They show Lakeith Stanfield, who's actually retired from the NBA, is still playing. Um, and everything is set around that time frame. Now, I thought this film was a masterpiece. I thought it was absolutely superb and they were completely wrong at the Oscars. Because it scores so highly in a number of awards-worthy areas, directing, screenplay, acting, music, cinematography are off the charts. Um, I'll say this about it. And somebody that has some bad situations with anxiety over the last few years, this is the most stressful movie I have ever watched in my entire life. When I said that he starts the film with one person's hand on his shoulder as he's walking along fast, shouting at him for money, and another person shouting at him for money down the phone, it gives you probably two or three minutes here and there over the next two hours where that isn't the case. I was so happy when this film finished and it ruined my evening because I was so anxious by the end. I was desperate for it to finish. But it is an absolutely brilliant film. Adam Sandler is... I, I think that Leonardo DiCaprio and Adam Sandler gave better acting performances and possibly Robert De Niro than Joaquin Phoenix gave in The Joker. I think Adam Sandler here creates one of the great anti-heroes of the modern era. He's a horrible, horrible character, and you kind of make your peace with him early on that whatever happens to him, he deserves it. He is a pretty scum-sucking guy. It's not that he's just dislikable, which he is. Um, he is also, I think this film is really about addiction. And his gambling addiction, I don't think I've ever seen gambling addiction shown so well on screen it's it's absolutely crucifying there's nothing no amount this guy can win that would ever stop him just putting the whole lot on a double or nothing bet the second he won it his problems are all his own he makes all of the problems a hundred times worse every time he makes a decision um, and the whole thing culminates around this game where the basketball player Lakeith Stanfield has got this you know moon rock back and he puts all these horrible very unlikely bets on him because he, he knows the guy's going to have the game of his career and basically gambles his entire life on this moment now the acting throughout and the casting is amazing because they use two very unknown people as actors uh, julia fox as a girlfriend is sub absolutely sublime in this film it's the star making role and I think it's her debut as well. She looks fantastic. She acts even better. And she's definitely going to get a lot more work from this film. It's an amazing performance. Even more surprising, Lakeith Stanfield. We've had lots of actors on uh, screen in films that have just been embarrassments, just shockingly poor performances. He is so naturalistic. Apparently when they wrote the film, he had a tiny role. But he pops up throughout the film because he's so good. He's just a really natural actor. You totally believe not only that he is this NBA star that's 20 feet tall, but that he's acting so naturalistically that you don't find anything clumsy about what he's doing. 
Um, everyone else is great. It's got a few more famous people in it. Eric Borgosian, who was a big actor in the 80s, started in talk radio, and Judd Hirsch, two of the most famous sort of New York Jewish actors from the 80s, um, both very well known, both instantly recognizable show up. But most of the other people aren't, and um, it's only Adam Sandler at the center of the movie, and you really don't leave his side, and you wish you had. <laughs> it, was, it was so tough to get through this film that I don't even know if I would recommend it if you do suffer from anxiety, because it is a real struggle to watch, but it is a brilliant, brilliant film. Uh, again, One O Tricks Point never does an amazing work on the soundtrack. It's a film that juts out at you. It looks fantastic and original, the performances are very sort of angular and coming at you. Um, and the sound stage and everything about it, even though it's this limited environment, is so strong and it pulses with life. Uh, and all of it revolving around Sandler's amazing performance, a definite career best performance. He has done serious roles before, and when he has done them, he's actually been very good, but not this good, because this is a real if there's a character that it kind of reminds me of and a performance that it kind of reminds me of it's Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood uh, Daniel Plainview in that film this is a very very driven man and the movie is following in his slipstream the entire time you're on screen Daniel um, Day-Lewis's character was a much more successful man than this man um, but this is a film about addiction it's not really about whether he can overcome the debt he has it's whether he can overcome his own mind um and it's heartbreaking it's a really i found it a really sad film because he's he's the reason for his problems he he can continually makes new problems every time he comes close to solving them and you're along for the ride and you don't give him much hope because even if he got out of it, you know he's just going to double down again. So I thought Uncut Gems was an absolute brilliant, brilliant film. I think the Safdie brothers have rightly been elevated to the top tier of American directors working. This film's got so much more substance and so much more of a lasting impact on you than Good Times, which I switched off and never thought about again, even though I really enjoyed it while it was going. This film is quite haunting, um, and again, the music and the um, cinematography and the acting and the script and the naturalism and the punch of it are all absolute top tier. So I'm going to give a, a very cautious warning if you're a, a, the kind of person that gets anxious watching a film. This is um, like Parasite are found to be um, you're continually on edge, but this is much worse and it is the most stressful film I've ever seen. So I'm going to give Uncut Gems a 9 out of 10. Um, I would say it's the equal to Parasite um, as far as being good goes. So 9 out of 10 for Uncut Gems and Adam Sandler would have been a rightful winner of that Oscar. I think Joaquin Phoenix has probably been better in other films as well, to be honest. Now, I'm playing a tribute to both Pop Smoke and Andrew Weatherall who passed away.